This podcast is a message from Sunday, June 25th, 2023, given by Pastor Ben on the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 24 to 39. Siblings in Christ, peace be with you from Jesus, who's got you. Amen. Uh, it occurred to me this week that June is almost over. That seems impossible and very unfair as far as summers go. I don't know how your summers are going or what you have filled them up with or not. My summer has been a lot of times doing things with my kids, some new things with our children. I have three. Uh, some of them are brand new to them, and one of the things this last week was ditching the training wheels on the bike. It was a big deal. Our oldest saw someone who was about her age riding without them and found a new conviction to do the same. So we got started on the bike with me holding on the handlebars and her like wobbly and moving along the whole way and me saying, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you over and over again. And eventually, to my surprise, it was dad, it was me who needed some convincing to just take the shot and let her go, to give her a push. Eventually, she just said, dad, you just have to like let go of the bike. I can't do this when you're hanging onto the bike. I said, fine. (laughs) And I pushed her and she did it and she did great. But this little experience had me thinking of all the other things that we do with our kids. Some of them are counterintuitive or wobbly or a little dangerous. Just naturally and by necessity, we do these things. We teach them to walk on wobbly legs, on flat surfaces, and then we cheer for them when they fall down. And then we shortly thereafter teach them how to go down utterly uneven surfaces of stairs, right? We don't cheer when they fall down those, probably. Then we put them pretty soon on skates or on skateboards or put them in pads and teach them to run fast at each other so they can run into things and run into each other. Then we put them in water like this, which is a somewhat hostile environment. Our species can't even breathe in, but we do this for fun anyway. We do this with adults too. And as I considered these things, I especially started to remember the first times my kiddos were in the lake at my parents-in-law's lake place. Remember holding them in my arms and wading out into the water a little deeper at a time. They get their toes wet and then they would try to climb me, right, to get out of the water and get a little bit higher. And then they get splashed and then they would flinch and try to get farther out of the water until we carry them deep enough that they're actually in it. And every time along the way, they get a little bit more wet or a little more frayed, saying, I got you, it's okay, I got you. And I started to realize just how often I've probably said over the years, I've got you. It's okay, I've got you. In light of Jesus' words this week from today's gospel, I realized again that sometimes Christianity feels like one of those counterintuitive, wobbly, maybe a little dangerous things that we do with our kids or with our adults. It's like we say, look, here is this thing called faith, which is kind of hard to describe, just like God is. It's also a mystery, though. Some people don't know or care about it. Some people will harass you for it. Some people think they know everything about it, and they're wrong, but so are we sometimes. So anyway, here's this big book. Now go sing Jesus Loves Me, and good luck to you. And Jesus makes all of that harder this week. He's got some tough words and tough promises. He promises to reciprocate our denial if we deny him. He's got a statement about not bringing peace but a sword to divide people. He says that our worthiness of him depends on us taking up our cross and being willing to lose our lives to save them. 
Good luck singing Jesus Loves Me to all of those things today. That is not the source of that song, I guarantee it. When I hear this gospel lesson, those are all the things that stand out to me. Those are the things my ears hear first and the things that I try to grapple with. And my reaction as a Christian and as a pastor is to say and to pray sometimes, God, the world is hard enough and this church faith thing is hard enough sometimes without having to deal with what seems like threats from you, Jesus. But it's almost as if today Jesus knows how this is going to sound because he pauses for a beat right in the middle of this. If you can imagine his interaction with his disciples, you can see him maybe reading the faces of his followers in real time. He's winding them up to send them out for some hard learning and teaching. He's going to teach them. He's trying to prepare them for wading in the deep waters of the cost of discipleship. And you can kind of see them probably backing up and recoiling and flinching like an infant in water. But then in the midst of this, Jesus stops, right? Like they're glazed over and he gets their attention. He says, hey, focus right? Focus. Do you know sparrows? Have you seen sparrows before? The bird, right? You've heard of them? Okay. There isn't a single one of them that falls to the ground without God knowing and caring, right? Not a single sparrow. So don't be afraid. You are worth much more than the sparrows. I've got you, Jesus is saying. I've got you, and it's okay. In the midst of these difficult texts, Jesus does pause and give us a reason to sing, Jesus loves me, or he's got the whole world in his hands, or his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. That, comes, that song comes from this passage. Right in the middle of this teaching, Jesus stops and describes how he's got you. He's got us. Can you say that for me? I've got you. I've got you. Try it again. I've got you. Jesus says that today. And if we can take that as our starting place and our ending place, and if we can take in mind that the whole beginning of the gospel starts with angels telling people, do not be afraid, and the gospel ends with the risen Lord Jesus saying, do not be afraid to his disciples, then we can take a deep breath and read the rest of this. And the rest of it's pretty tough. Maybe the toughest is this part on the screen in bold, right? Jesus says divisions are going to happen, and they're going to happen amongst the closest to you. It is exhausting today. Spend 10 minutes on social media for like one outlet of this. It is exhausting today to consider all the ways that people are divided. We say that and hear that a lot, right? We're just so divided right now. Yeah, we are. And it's tiring even anticipating seeing that or reading about that or even having conversations with people from whom you are divided, right? Jesus says, For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Ouch, Jesus. But some of you know this already because some of you live this regularly to varying degrees. Some of you know what it's like to have a divided household or a supper table. Maybe it's your immediate family or house that walks on eggshells with one another. A little bit like that old Saturday Night Live skit where Will Ferrell and family are trying to have a nice meal, right, that always escalates to intense shouting before just reverting back to awkward silence. It's so painful, it's funny, or at least that's the intent. 
Or maybe it's a group of friends that you have who have drifted apart over the years and can do okay with each other until someone brings up that one thing, whatever that is. Or maybe it's a wider family gathering that you experience once in a while, you know, where the conversations stay on pleasantries, they stick to sports and the weather, but then eventually Uncle Someone just has to finish a thought with, thanks, Obama, or MAGA extremists, or let's go Brandon, or some shot across the bow against organized religion, and then you're off and running, and suddenly you're divided again, just like you thought you would be. And sometimes our tables are just a snapshot of the country or the world. What was helpful to me this week in hearing this gospel was that Jesus just flat out acknowledges that division is going to be a thing. It just is. And I felt kind of relieved by that. We spend a lot of energy worrying about divisions and healing divides. And I think that that's good. In part, we should do that. God is in the business of reconciliation. But it was sort of a relief to me this week to imagine saying to Jesus, Lord, we're just so divided right now. And having Jesus reply, yeah, I told you so, but I got you. The writer of this gospel story, who we call Matthew, probably was experiencing these divisions firsthand in his community, maybe in his family too. He's writing a generation or two after Jesus' death and resurrection. When Jesus' ministry begins, when he is walking around doing these things, there is no scribe who is writing all of this down like a court reporter. Jesus' stories about his life are orally passed down until eventually they're written by Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And these gospel writers have the benefits of seeing the impact of Jesus' life and message in real time in their world. And they are watching it divide people. And yet, they still hear and report of Jesus saying, I told you this would happen, but remember the thing about the sparrows. I've got you. Martin Luther, who was a German reformer and previous monk, for whom the Lutheran church is named, experienced divisions in what he thought was going to be one of the most unifying things the church had ever seen. Before Luther, the Bible was written in Latin, coming from Greek and Hebrew, and only the academic elite could read the thing. You and I, probably not. Someone had to read it for us. And Luther translated it into German for everyone to be able to read for themselves. And it was an amazing gift to the world. It was the word of God in your hands, not just somebody else's. And as Luther shared this translation thinking here everybody you can read the bible now just like i do he very quickly ran into a consequence of everyone reading the bible and that's not everyone read it like he did divisions happened and jesus today is describing divisions as they're going to happen he's describing things as they are And he's describing what the consequences are just going to be for following him and taking him seriously. He is being descriptive, though. That's an important distinction. He is describing things as they're going to be if you follow him, not being prescriptive. He's not prescribing behavior. And it's easy to mistakenly read Jesus as coming in, guns a-blazing, and saying, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? Do you know what we're going to be about here? We're going to be about setting people against each other. We're going to be about starting conflicts. We're going to go start some fights. And you should go do and likewise. And P.S., make sure you distinguish between the neighbors that you should love and the ones that you're not supposed to love. Dear church, that is not it. Your job is not to go out and divide. Your job is to go out and witness to Jesus and tell the truth. Jesus is describing the way things are going to be 
when you follow him, and it's going to divide some people. And you know what? It probably should. Following Jesus and what goes along with that, the, the determination to love your neighbor, all of your neighbors, to affirm their belovedness as created in the image of God, to freely forgive, to acknowledge that money and stuff are potentially obstacles to abundant life as opposed to the definition of abundant life, championing the sanctity of all life, treating the poor as worthy of help and not just guilty of wanting handouts, claiming and calling out responsibility to steward the climate and creation, the audacity to believe in the resurrection from the dead. These are all challenging things. Not everybody is going to be able to get on board. Not everyone wants their grudges challenged or their definition of neighbor challenged or that what they should do with their money should be challenged. And following Jesus may very well divide you from some of your family's ideals or from our culture's secularism or from a streamlined wealth management plan or from your party's political platform. And yet, when following Jesus is hard or even believing in Jesus is hard because both of those things can be. And when those things divide us, in the midst of that, Jesus says still, I got you. You say that again for me? I got you. Evelyn and Ezra, Jesus is about to say, I got you again in this font in a new way. And Jesus is going to say that to all of you. God says, I got you. And if God's got you, then God's got the person next to you too. That might seem like good news or bad news, depending on how much you like your neighbor. But Jesus' words today begin with, a disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. But if our teacher and master, yours and mine, is Jesus, and he says, love your neighbor as yourself, then who are we to step in front of Jesus and say, no, 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 not these people. No, God's got them too. God's got your neighbor. And God's got the person at the table with you and the person across the aisle from you. And God also got the person that you vehemently disagree with. And that is good news even if it seems counterintuitive or wobbly or a little bit dangerous. Today, Jesus says discipleship is hard. No one's life simplifies with Jesus in it. It's a challenging calling. Yet in the midst of that difficult calling, God's got you always. And even when Jesus himself wasn't sure of his calling, because from the cross he cried, God, why have you forsaken me? God followed through all the way through death and the empty tomb so that the risen Christ can and will say to us too, I got you, even to life everlasting. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.